0: Hello fans of the beautiful game. Welcome to episode 22 of the DKB Footy Show. I'm your host David Ballat and I am here once again to talk about an action-packed week of football that we just had. Non-stop action from last weekend up until today. Or should I say yesterday? Yeah, we've had a lot of football action from all the leagues all over all over um, Europe. And I think, as usual, I will start off with the Premier League. So I will talk about, first of all, the games from the weekend. And then after that, I'll talk about the midweek fixtures. So we had Arsenal versus Spurs, the North London derby, which was obviously the standout match of the season of the weekend and also it did not disappoint because Arsenal defeated Spurs by four goals to two and I must say I think this was probably the best game that we've seen all season Arsenal have been going from strength to strength a lot of people have been doubting their their credentials because throughout this whole unbeaten run which has now officially gone to 20 games they had not really faced any proper opposition yet. Well, they faced Liverpool earlier and they came out with a draw. A lot of people thought that Arsenal actually edged the match and could have actually won the match. And now they have just defeated Tottenham Hotspur, their ARC rivals at home in the first North London derby of the of the season. And this match was just high intensity, high impact from start to finish. Um, You could tell that from the get-go that the Arsenal players were highly up for this match. Spurs were on a high as well because they had just defeated Chelsea three goals to one uh, in the previous game. And so they were definitely up for another London derby. But I don't think they expected the intensity that Arsenal came at them with. The whole stadium, even the crowd, everybody was seriously up for this match and from the get-go it was just arsenal piling on the pressure on spurs pressing high up the pitch getting the ball back from the from the defense and midfield the defenders spurs defenders Vertongen and foyth really looked um, shaken during the first 20 minutes of the match and eventually it was a penalty Courtesy of a of a handball from Vertonghen, which was a very stupid handball. He had a stinker of a match, to be honest. So he did the handball and then upstepped Aubameyang to get his first North London goal from the spot, which he dispatched well, scored the penalty, and Arsenal were in the lead, and Arsenal continued to power pressure. But then out of nothing, set piece for Spurs, Ericsson quality delivery and Eric Dyer cut the header in off of um, Brent Leno Leno should have done better for the goal though I think he should have saved I think it was a routine save he really like fluffed his lines there because he tried to I don't really know what he did man he went on his knees and then like with his hands like just well it was almost like like a serving in volleyball I don't know it was a really weird weights trying to try and save the ball and it was definitely his fault when the ball went in and then all of a sudden the match got more intense and a bit of a fight broke out because during eric dyer's celebration he went to the he he basically like did a shush shush gesture with his finger on his lip at the arsenal supporters because they had been so loud and then a fight ensued because Lichsteiner happened to be warming up just next to Dyer at the side where Dyer decided to celebrate. And he took an offense to Dyer, basically telling the Arsenal fans to shut the hell up. I see no issue with it because I think that's all about the intense rivalry in the game. I think that's the passion of the game. I think it's nice when I see opposition players really stick it up to the home fans who are giving them so much flack and heat throughout the match but yeah a little fight ensued it was quickly settled and then a couple minutes later penalty for spurs hurricane dispatches and all of a sudden arsenal are losing 2-1 in a match that they had completely dominated from from the starts up until that point the whole stadium went silent because everybody was in shock because Arsenal had been playing well and for some reason Spurs were in the lead and it definitely looked like Spurs were like starting to gain more confidence on the ball and starting to basically come back into the match. Once it was 2-1, they were getting more comfortable on the ball, creating a few decent opportunities, a few passes, like good, good link-up plays in general. And yeah, that's how the first half ended. So another first half went by with Arsenal not being in the lead. I think this season they haven't led at any point at halftime this season. I think by halftime form, they would probably be in the relegation zone. I think, yeah, they'll be 18th or 19th in the league just based on first half form. But we all know football is a game of two halves. It's a game of 90 minutes. And in the second half, it just started again the way the first half started, and this time around, Spurs had no answers at all. So, the um, so yeah, it was in in the, in the second half, it was still two one, but then a beautiful counter attack, and then Aubameyang got his second goal to pull Arsenal level with Spurs again. It became two two, very expertly taken goal. Loris had no had no chance of um he was just stunned he was like in one spot back in my country nigeria we like to call that a picture whenever uh whenever basically a player like strikes the ball so sweetly that the goalkeeper is left stunned and just like doesn't react just stays in one spot and doesn't move he freezes so we call that a picture because it's basically him Like, staying still for a photo. So, yeah, Aubameyang got that goal. Well taken. Curved shots. One time. He didn't even take time to, like, control the ball to trap it. He got the pass and just finished it one time to the corner. And Lloris did not move. And Arsenal were back in the game. And then the second-half substitute, Lacazette, came on and made it 3-2 with a kind of a scuffed shot, which also deflected off of, I think it was Vertonghen's leg again, and then the ball went in, and basically the deflection took the ball away from Loris. I think it would have been a regular routine save, probably like Loris would have palmed it out for a corner, but this time around, the ball was deflected, so it was out of his reach, And Arsenal were in the lead once again, 3-2. And you could just see the passion when Lacazette scored that goal. The whole crowd went insane. But then it was nothing compared to when Lucas Torreira made it 4-2. His own celebration, he took off his shirt, was just swinging it around. The whole crowd went crazy. The whole stadium was, I don't think anybody like I think it would have made somebody go deaf if you were at that stadium because the whole stadium was erupted. Torera, the Arsenal players were all happy and yeah it couldn't have happened to a more fitting player because this guy has just been a revelation for Arsenal. He was definitely the kind of player Arsenal had been needing for all these years and to think that they got him like so easily like they... Didn't pay too much for him and there wasn't a lot of competition for his signature as well. So this guy is hes an excellent midfielder, man. He does everything. He's a good tackler. He's a good passer. He's a technically gifted player. And he is also quite good in the final third as that finish showed. And he just endeared himself to the Arsenal supporters because of the way he celebrated that goal. You could tell that he was so delighted to get his first Arsenal goal against spurs in the north london derby so arsenal got the 4-2 win very well deserved and they are just looking like emery is doing the right stuff he look, it looks like he knows his best team now well not really because he still like shuffles the team around but he knows the right system that fits these players it's a thing that ozil who reportedly they said he had a back spasm ozil hasn't really played in many of these like last few games including the one that they played midweek he missed that one against united he missed this match in the previous week as well i don't remember i think it was against Mathia. Yeah. he missed that match as well i don't think he was injured during that match and it seems like emery is actually not really a huge fan of ozil's but who needs ozil when you can put in performances like that That second half performance, that second half energy that Arsenal get. I don't know where they get it from. I don't know what Emery tells them at halftime. But yeah, their second half form is just deadly this season. And basically all the points that they've won have been won in the second half. So yeah, that's just crazy. But yeah, so that was that. Arsenal defeated Spurs 4-2 and deservedly so. Next match was the Merseyside derby. This was a weekend of derbies. So it was a Merseyside derby between Liverpool and Everton. Liverpool won that one one nil. Liverpool deserved the win, in my opinion. I think they definitely created more chances than Everton did, but Everton did play quite well. And if it ended 0-0, I don't think, I don't think I um I would have said that Liverpool should have been dis. Well, they they would have been disappointed to drop points but based on the whole the way the whole game went liverpool created chances but everton did create their own chances as well and it definitely looked like the game was going to end 0-0 up until the last second of the match where i think that's just the the freakiest goal i think i've seen in recent memory i can't remember a goal at that at this like high a level of football being scored like let's consider all the circumstances. The fact that Liverpool would have been five points behind City if they did not get this win. And Pickford just decided to give them that goal. The ball was going out from that um kick from Van Dyke. The ball was clearly going out, and Pickford jumped up and basically put the ball back into play. He gave the assist for Origi. To get that header and get the win for liverpool that was just simply nuts that was literally the last kick of the game and it was so i was sad for um pickford because he had had such an excellent match as well so for the game to end that way it was really cruel and heartless but that's the way the game that we love can be at times and liverpool got the win luckily yeah the goal was lucky but Overall, on the balance of play, I think they did edge it. So, yeah, Liverpool won the Merseyside derby. Everton has not won at Merseyside in the 21st century. Only God knows when that's going to be broken. But it definitely wasn't over the weekend. Manchester City 3 Bournemouth 1. Another routine win for City. Goals courtesy of Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling and Gundogan. They were made to work a little bit for the win though because even though they went ahead through Bernardo Silva quite early on, Callum Wilson got the equaliser and this guy has also been such an excellent player for Bournemouth especially this season. I know in fantasy football he has the second highest number of points for any forward just after Aubameyang and it's not really hard to see why this guy is involved in almost all of the goals that Bournemouth score and he got the equaliser for them in this match but Manchester City are just a cut above everybody else in the league and despite them draw besides the the match them conceding an equalizer it was so obvious everybody knew that city were going to come back and win that match and they did raheem sterling he is arguably the player of the season so far right now arguably manchester city's best player you could argue maybe alongside david Silva for this season Cause he's just been excellent. He's scoring and assisting in literally every match he plays in. It's like yeah, the guy is great. Pep Guardiola just knows how to get the best out of this guy, because it's obvious you can see that when he plays for the national team, it's really like not the same as when he's playing for City. But when he's playing for City, man, he's just like he's unstoppable. He seems to be fulfilling that potential, that we all saw that he had when he was in Liverpool. A lot of people thought it was a bad move for him to switch to City because of the price tag involved and the fact that he wasn't ready to make that step up. But he's proven everybody wrong. Since Pep joined this team, Sterling has just looked like a world beater. He looks like a a bona fide world-class player. And if he keeps up with this form till the end of the season, honestly, I think, forget about the Hazards and the Salas. It will be people like Sterling that... Real Madrid will be looking at. I know there have been rumours that they wanted to sign him in the past, but I don't really take them seriously. But if they do confirm him again, it will be tough for City to keep him. Yeah. So next match, Southampton 2, Manchester United 2. Another match where United had to come back from behind against a team that is struggling for relegation. They did this against Newcastle and they got the win against Newcastle, but this time they did not get the win. Southampton went two goals up, courtesy of a Stuart Armstrong double. The second one was just a sumptuous, beautifully taken free kick. United quickly responded, though, through goals from Romelu Lukaku and Ander Herrera, both assisted by Marcus Rashford, who was like he had a pretty decent game. He missed some chances. But in terms of his delivery to the box and the assists, the two assists were quite spectacular. And... These were all, all these goals were scored in the first half. So after United made it 2 2, like any logical person would have thought that, okay, they recovered. So now, second half, they're really going to show that they have the better players and the better quality than Southampton do. But that was not the case at all because Southampton were still the better team in the second half. And yeah, the game, United did not deserve the win and they didn't get the win. However, after the match, Mark Hughes got sacked and he got the unwanted record of being the first manager in English in Premier League history to be sacked twice in a calendar year. He was sacked by Stoke City earlier in January. He joined Southampton and now he's gotten sacked in December. So it's definitely been a year to forget for Mark Hughes. But I'm sure he'll find another club. I mean, these guys just shuffle themselves around. Guys like him, Sam Allardyce, um, what's his name? All these other guy all these other coaches, Roy Hodgson, all of them, they just like shuffle around these like lower end clubs and I'm sure he's gonna get another job very soon. But isn't it something that it's because he failed to defeat Manchester United that he gets sacked? Like that's just if there's any Like, proof that United has fallen way down the pecking order and nobody has respect for the club anymore is the fact that a coach can get sacked because he fails to defeat Manchester United. Like, that is just insane. United, some introspection is needed. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Chelsea 2, Fulham 0. Claudio Ranieri's first match in charge of Fulham. He has a huge job ahead of him because they are bottom of the table conceding goals for fun not being able to score any and yeah, it was a really tough first match for him to come back to the club that he once managed in Chelsea away from home as well at Stamford Bridge and Fulham did play decently well I think they deserve to at least have gotten a goal but they failed to do that and they lost 2-0 courtesy of Pedro and Loftus-Cheek who has been taking his opportunities very, very well that's Loftus Cheek. I mean, he's scored. I think like maybe three or four goals now in his last like three or four matches, which is good for him. To which is good for him, because if he can actually show that he can provide goals, then he has a very good chance of breaking into that Chelsea midfield. Because one thing that that Chelsea midfield lacks is goals. Kante is not a goal scorer. Jorginho is not a goal scorer. And Kovacic is not a goal scorer. Kovacic seems like because of his style of play, it seems like he should score more often. But, he's in, but he just doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't have the numbers for it. So, yeah, that's that for, for the weekend. And then let's move over to the midweek games as well. So in the midweek, the standout match involved Arsenal once again. And it was back at Old Trafford against their arch rivals. This rivalry is not what it used to be. It used to be the biggest game in England. We're talking... 10 to 15 years back when wenger was at his prime when arsenal were actually a competitive team winning the league and challenging for the league every season uh yeah the the fixer has definitely lost its luster but this particular game was nerve-wracking it was exciting almost as, as exciting as the arsenal spurs match the only thing it really lacked was goals but it had the intensity the crowd was up for it as well and it had everything it had it had fierce tackling a lot of yellow cards were given surprisingly no red card was issued but yeah it ended 2-2 manu 2 arsenal 2 arsenal went ahead twice in the match first one in the first half mustafi got the header through a set piece how many goals have united considered from set pieces this season i I struggle to be able to count, but I can reckon that at least 50 to 60% of the goals United have conceded have been from set pieces. And this one was actually should have been a routine save for De Gea. He should have just been able to palm the ball over the bar for another free kick. But for some reason, he palmed it over his head and into the goal. Uh, defender tried to clear the ball from the line, but it had already gone over and Goal line Technology gave the goal. So that made it 1-0. And then not too long after, Martial got the equalizer through an under Herrera cross to the ground and Marcel finished it well. Martial has just been the informed player in United. He continues to save Mourinho's ass over and over again. For some reason, he was benched last week for the match over the weekend for the match against Southampton. But in this match he started and he scored once again. He's he scored like literally every shot he gets on target, he scores. He's such an excellent talent and United would do well to keep him and to keep the, the good players we have and get Mourinho out of the club. Marcel, yeah, he got the equaliser and it ended at 1-1. Yet another half where Arsenal have failed to be in the lead. Second half came and it was really more of the same. I, I would say in the first half, United were actually like in, in the first like 20, 15 minutes United were pressing well as well. They were unsetting the Arsenal midfield. It looked like Matic and Herrera were just going to walk all over Guendouzi and Torreira. But eventually, like, Arsenal got back into the match and they got the goal. And there was 1-1 in the second half. I would say that it was a bit cagey as well, like, in the starting of the, of the second half. Both teams were not really creating that many chances. There's a lot of tough tackling as well in the midfield. Matic and Herrera were really getting stuck in. And then Marcos Rojo decided to be the Rojo that we all know, the flop of a player that we all know he is. And he just decides to give a pass to Lacazette in his own defensive third, not under too much pressure. I mean, he could have just booted the ball away if he felt like he was on a lot of serious pressure but he didn't he just passed the ball to Lacazette and then the counter was on and then what does her um what does Rojo do again he tracks back and then he makes sure that the ball gets into the pole uh, um goes into the goal courtesy of him and he scored an own goal really ridiculous rid- Ridiculous set of circumstances right there. I don't really know what was going through his head. But yeah, he scored an own goal. There's a lot of argument. A lot of, it kind of looked like it was Lacazette who got the final touch. But I think it's been awarded as a Rojo own goal. And then within the same minutes, Jesse Lingard gets the equalizer for United as well. So Arsenal's def- defense as well has been quite shambolic, to be honest. I think the the attack has really, really made up for the bad defense that they have. Their defense is not good at all, and I don't really get how you can go ahead twice in a match and within a very, very short amount of time lose those leads Like in the same match. That was ridiculous defending by Arsenal for that United goal. For the equalizer, it was basically just a... So it was from the kickoff. Some player booted it up the field. Lukaku tried to struggle with a defender to control the ball. None of them really got the control the ball. The ball bounced, and then Lingard just ran into the box and finished it. It's such a simple goal, but yeah, Arsenal need to. They need to work on their defense. But the game ended two two. Arsenal did create more clear cut chances as the game wore on, especially in the last ten minutes. I mean, it's not really a surprise to see why they get so many wins. It's because they get this like new wind of energy where they just attack, especially one like towards the ending of a match. They just go all out and the opposition rarely has any answers for them and the United defense didn't really have any answers I think they could have scored from at least one of those chances Obama, Obama- Young had a shot where he just um he could have picked his spot either side of the goal it would have entered but he decides to shoot straight at De Gea who made a good save with his foot there was another chance for and he blasted the ball over the post and yeah Arsenal. I think they they slightly edged the match But ended as a 2-2 draw. It was a very great match. It was an exciting match. Good to see. But once again, for United, that's four games now without a win. They are still in, is it, seventh or eighth place? And seem to be about, like, nine points off of the top four right now. It seems very unlikely that they can even make it to the top four. But I think that they want to have any shot. Get rid of Mourinho. I keep saying this. Please get rid of that guy. I don't... Cannot get tired of saying this, but I, I'm i sure you guys are tired of me talking about United. I'm kind of tired as well. And yeah, I'm just going to move on. because the club has way too many issues. And Mourinho is a large chunk of them. Watford won Manchester City 2. City got another win. They keep marching on. They got goals courtesy of Leroy Sané and Riyad Mahrez. And then Dukore got a consolation goal later on, but they didn't really threaten after that. And yeah, Manchester City got a got a good win. I would say during the match the one when it was one nil or even nil nil, Watford did create some decent chances that they failed to take. And if you fail to take your chances against City, which is the best team in the league by far, they will obviously punish you and they did. So Watford are left to rue their chances. And Manchester City temporarily again went five points at the top of the table. The next match, Wolves 2, Chelsea 1. Wolves have gotten another huge scalp this season. Another big team that has struggled against Wolves. Wolves have... I don't think they've lost against... Okay, yeah, Spurs are the only... Top six team, if I'm not mistaken, that have been defeated by Wolves. I think they're yet to face Liverpool. not really sure about that. I'll have to check. But they have definitely stepped up against all the top six opposition that they've come against. They got the draw against City. Still the only team that... Okay, the second team that City has failed to win against this season. They got the draw against City at home 1-1. They narrowly lost to Spurs 3-2. They got the draw away against Arsenal 1-1, a match where I think they should have won. They definitely had more opportunities to win the match than Arsenal did. They got the draw at Old Trafford 1-1 as well, defended very well in that match. And now they've defeated Chelsea 2 goals to 1. It was, first of all, Loftus-Cheek opened the scoring again. I, I was just talking about the form he's been in. It was kind of like an own goal, but they awarded it to him, I guess, because the, the shot was on target, but it went off a defender's head. I think it was Bennett. I can't remember. And the ball went in. It was 1-0. The second half came on and Wolves piled on the pressure and got goals courtesy of Raul Jimenez and Diogo Jota to make it 2-1. Chelsea have issues. It seems like now they are regressing to the mean. They had been they started the season so well, were scoring a lot of goals, but it was quite obvious that they were punching above their weight. They were overperforming, they were not as good as their results were suggesting, especially the the amount of goals that they were scoring. These guys were scoring three two three nils, two nils like every week, even without hazard, they were winning. But I think now they're really starting to show themselves. I think that Spurs match really exposed the weaknesses in this Chelsea team. Against Fulham, they got the win, but I think Fulham created a lot of chances, enough chances to at least get a goal. And then in this match, I think they they deserve to lose. They did create some chances, but I think that they rely on Eden Hazard way too much. They have a number nine in Morata who is just devoid of confidence this guy looks like he he just has yeah he has no confidence whatsoever he's a shadow of the player that played for juventus and for real madrid winning all those champions league titles this guy yeah he just he just looks like he doesn't even want to be in chelsea anymore he can't he can't link up as well as he used to he can't control the ball and his finishing man jesus christ his finishing is shit this guy just like, yeah, I mean, look at the chances he had in this match. There was a, a square ball. I think it was, was it Alonso. I don't remember who squared the ball to him. The defender did well to get him off balance, but I think he still should have scored it. And then this guy as well, William. William is really not that good. He's so inconsistent. I don't get how Chelsea refused to get the 70 million or the 60 million that Barcelona offered for William. They decided to keep him because apparently he was a key player on the team. But his, his inconsistency is something that a team that, is, that wants a challenge for the title just cannot afford. Whenever Hazard is out of form, which he is right now, he hasn't scored in a while. He, his performances have not been that great. There just is nobody in the team that can step up and really take the ball by the horns. Giroud. He's a good link-up player, but he doesn't score enough goals, not nearly enough. The only advantage he has over Morata is that he links up all with Hazard. But in terms of, of returns in front of goal, nah, he ain't it at all. So Chelsea have, like, yeah, they have a lot of issues that they need to sort out. Right now, they are definitely in the thick of the top four battle, and... I would not be surprised if they don't make top four because I would reckon Arsenal are actually a better team than they are. In my opinion, I think Arsenal, maybe they, they're they probably the third best team in the league right now. And Spurs as well. I think Spurs are better than Chelsea. Then Chelsea need a new striker and at least one new winger. And I don't think they're going to get that this season. They can try in the generate transfer, but it's really difficult to get any world-class players in the generate transfer. So... And also with Hazard, it seems like Hazard is his patience is actually wearing thin with the quality of 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 his teammates, and there have definitely been reports that he has actually agreed a deal to join Real Madrid. I think it's supposed to be next summer or during the winter transfer window. I really, I'm not sure, but I think if he leaves during the winter break, that would be devastating for Chelsea, and they definitely will not make the top four if that happens. He definitely, But if he was to leave in the winter, I think it would not be a good move by him. I think he would really be leaving his, his teammates out to dry. But over the summer, I think he definitely should leave. Because, I mean, he's been in the club for like how many years now? Like six, seven years. He's 28 years old at the peak of his career. And he needs to go to a club where he can actually win something like the Champions League to really cement himself as a legend of the game. And Chelsea, I don't think that's going to happen. Not anytime soon, at least. But yeah, so Chelsea, they've got a few issues. Let's see if they're able to maintain their their um position in the top four. We'll see if they do that. Well, I think right now they're not even in the top four. I think they're in fifth position, but let me just make sure of that let me just confirm what position on the table they are okay no they are fourth arsenal are fifth because arsenal got the draw but they're level on points they both have 31 points It's just the goal difference that chelsea is ahead by but yeah so chelsea they've got a lot of issues to sort out next match it was um spurs three southampton one Courtesy, goals courtesy of Harry Kane, Lucas Moura and Son Heung-min it was a routine victory for for Spurs. I mean, what do you expect against Southampton? Southampton look like they're going to get relegated this season. They have just appointed a new manager, but he wasn't at the dugout for this match. He was in the stadium, though, to watch the match. And he has a tall order. He has a huge job on his hands to get this team survival Uh, to remain in the league charlie austin got a a consolation goal later on in the match but it was a well-deserved victory for spurs and then burnley won liverpool three the scoreline might be 3-1 but the, the it doesn't tell the tale of the match whatsoever i think liverpool i think burnley played very very well they 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 got a goal in the first half, which was disallowed. The second half, they got another goal, courtesy of Jack Cork, to get the one 0 lead. But then, not too long after, James Milner got the equaliser for Liverpool, and then in came Firmino, super sub Firmino, got a goal, courtesy of a Van Dijk assist, to make it two one, and then Shakiri sealed the wheel, sealed the win. In this year, the last minutes of the match, last minute of stoppage time, from a sala assist, um, club decided not to start any of his illustrious front three. Mane was injured, Salah was rested, and Firmino was rested as well. So he went with the attacking, the ta- attacking lineup of Origi and and um Sturridge, who did not really play that great. In the midfield as well, he gave a rare start to Naby Keita. I don't really know what the issue has been with Naby Keita. I thought he was going to be a shoe in in the midfield of of Liverpool. But since his injury, and even slightly before the injury, it seemed like he was getting out of favour with Klopp. I don't know what he's doing that Klopp doesn't like. But he got the start in this match, and yeah, they got the win. But they had to work hard for it. And they're still there within touching distance of, of City. And I hope they're able to maintain it because I really want to see a title race this season. We haven't had a proper title race since that, um, since the, was it 2014, 15? I remember when City won the league. And it was between Liverpool and City that time under Brendan Rodgers. Since that season, there hasn't really been a title race. So we need to see a title race because this is the best league in the world. And if one team every single season always dominates, I don't really think that Premier League fans can really argue as to the fact that it is the most competitive league in the world. So Liverpool, hang in there. Keep getting those wins and keep that touching distance to City so I think that's it with the Premier League over to La Liga and the standout match from that from the weekend was Alaves versus Sevilla it was a top four battle Sevilla was number one on the table I think Alaves was either third or fourth this match ended 1-1 Alaves scored first through Johnny Rodriguez and then Wissam ben Yedder, who's had such an excellent season alongside Andre Silva, got the equaliser for Sevilla and it ended 1-1. Because of that, though, Sevilla lost their position at, at the top of the league and are now in second. Because Barcelona got a 2-0 victory against Villarreal, courtesy of goals from Gerard Pique and this youngster, Carlos Alenia. Really know too much about him, but he got a goal through a... Delicious Messi assist. Messi gave a pass that cut through the Villarreal defense, cut through like at least three or four players before getting to him, and he gave a really nice finish. So, yeah, Barcelona got the 2 0 victory against Villarreal and are now back at the top of La Liga. Then, Real Madrid defeated Valencia two goals to nil as well, courtesy of an own goal from Daniel Was and a Lucas Vasquez winner. So, yeah. It's good for them to bounce back from that 3-0 defeat against Eibar the previous week. It seems like Solari is at least bringing some semblance of stability into the team. Um, apart from that like freak defeat, which they deservedly lost against Eibar, I think he's won every other match that he's coached, including the Champions League victory that they had over Roma as well. So I hope he can yeah bring some more stability, and maybe Real Madrid will go from strength to strength From now on, they are still, they still have a good shot of winning the league because they're only five points off top spot. That's just um, crazy to say. It's crazy to say because of, I mean, the countless number of defeats and poor performances that they've had. But that just shows you that La Liga is really open this season. It's anybody's game, really. So yeah that they they got the win and we'll see if they can basically build on that and actually maintain some consistency this time around and actually challenge for the league next girona won atletico madrid won. another dent in atletico madrid's ambitions to win the league again this season they are really inconsistent as well i mean they're not supposed to draw away against Girona if they want to win the league. I think they're just as inconsistent as Real Madrid, as Barcelona, and as any other team in that in the top four of the league. And yeah, and this time around it was um. It was um Christian Stuani who got the goal. He's actually the top goal scorer in La Liga this season. He's got eleven goals. That's actually like great to see that it's no longer Messi or Ronaldo. I mean, Ronaldo's left, so it's not Messi. At least there are other people that are challenging for top goal scorer in the league, which is good to see. So he got the goal to open the scoring. And then it was Jonas Roma- Ramalho who scored a an own goal in the second half because of pressure through, um, from Diego Costa. So he scored the own goal and... Salvage the draw for Atletico Madrid, but if Madrid wants to win the league, I think they have to become more consistent and start defeating teams like they did in the previous time they won the league. I remember they had a lot of matches where they won by one nil, two nil. They kept a lot of clean sheets. I think Simeone is a master of keeping clean sheets. I don't understand though that they have a few injuries in the defense. I think Saul Saul Niguez had to play at left back because of so many injuries. I can't remember if Diogo Wodin played, but I know they have a lot of injuries at the back. But that's no excuse. You got to win matches if you want to win the league. And they need to start doing that. Serie A. Fiorentina nil, Juventus 3. This could have been a tricky away fixture for Juventus, but they had no issue dispatching of Fiorentina. They got goals from Bentancur. He opened the scoring. Chiellini made it 2-0. And then Cristiano Ronaldo scored a penalty. Th- he thumped the ball to the top left-hand corner to make it 3-0 for Juventus. So good win for them. And they maintained their lead at the top of Serie A. The standout fixture, though, was actually between Roma and Inter Milan. And that match ended 2-2. It was um, Ke- um, Keita Balde opened the scoring for Inter Milan. And then Chingiz Onda made it 1-1. And then Icardi came back and made it 2-1. Icardi, top five, number nines in the world, in my opinion. He made it um, 2-1. And then a very late penalty from Kolarov made it 2-2. So I think Inter Milan would really feel like that was three points dropped. They are still firmly in the top four. But they um, don't seem like they're going to be able to stage any challenge for the league this season. So yeah, they drew that 1-2-2. Napoli defeated Atalanta away from home, two goals to one. of goes from Fabian Ruiz and Arkadiusz Milik. They got the 2-1 win and they are second in the league. And then Kievo won Lazio 1. Lazio dropped points and are now in fifth position in the race for top four. They're out of the top four. And Replacing them was AC Milan, who got a 2-1 victory against Parma. So AC Milan are now up to fourth position in the league. And I hope that that's where they stay, because I really want to see the two Milan clubs back in the Champions League, especially AC Milan, who, mind you, are still the second most successful team in Europe with seven Champions League victories. They used to be a juggernaut and need to regain those glory days once again. Bundesliga. Borussia Dortmund defeated Freiburg two goals to nil with goals from Royce and Paco Alcacer. They are still top of the league. And yeah, Lucien Favre is doing a great job there. Werder Bremen. 1, Bayern Munich 2. Serge Gnabry um, got both goals for Bayern in this victory. And then Ligue 1. Bordeaux 2, PSG 2. PSG finally dropped the fo- their first points of the season. They got goals from Neymar and Mbappe, but every time they scored, Bordeaux just responded with the equaliser, and the match ended 2-2. And then in the midweek, they also dropped points once again because they drew away from home against Strasbourg, courtesy of uh, they actually conceded first, and then Edison, Edison Cavani has got an equaliser from the penalty spot so, yeah, they've dropped points back-to-back right now, but they're still w- too far ahead of any other team in the league. And also, um, I think maybe this might just be a hangover from the victory that they had over Liverpool in the Champions League. Um, In the match against Strasbourg, neither Neymar nor Mbappe played. And... Um. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, as I uh, the only interesting storyline in la, la in League on now. It's is whether PSG can go the full season undefeated. I still have my doubts that they can because I just don't think they have the consistency and the mentality to want to win every match they they um are involved in. I can see a scenario where maybe they win the league with like maybe like six or seven games to spare and then when their their whole level drops off where their competition like their competitive nature drops off because they've already won the league i can see them definitely losing a match then so i don't think they're going to go undefeated but let's see if they do so that's it for the reviews so onto the fixtures for this weekend and in the premier league the standard fixture is going to be chelsea against manchester city So this is going to be first position against fourth. Chelsea are really not in great form right now. I don't think this is the time when they would have liked to play against Manchester City. But that being said, I am definitely looking forward to this match because this is basically a matchup between the two most possession-oriented teams in the league. So who's going to give in? Who's who's going to allow the other team to have more of the ball and maybe play on the counter-attack? Or maybe they're both just going to struggle to maintain dominance in possession and in the past between teams like that with those philosophies it usually tends to lead to a lot of um rough play a lot of tackles because teams are like to hold possession basically like to foul the opposition whenever the opposition has the ball so that they can quickly gain possession back so this can definitely be the case in this match i remember when manchester city and barcelona played each other in the Champions League in Pep's first season. That was definitely how both matches went. A lot of hard tackles, a lot of yellow cards. And yeah, it could be like that before the game finally settles down. But it's an exciting match. It's going to be Chelsea against City. It's going to be the midfield of Jorginho, Kante and probably Kovacic against midfield in City of Bernardo Silva, David Silva and... Fernandinho most likely so who's gonna give we'll see Manchester's, Manchester City are definitely favorites to win the match because they are just head and shoulders above every other team in the league but Liverpool would definitely be hoping that Chelsea can get something out of this match actually most other teams in the, le- in the league are hoping that Chelsea can get something out of this because if they do then That means City would have dropped more points and Liverpool will have a good chance to either go top of the table or go level on points with City. So yeah, but this is an exciting match. There should be a lot of anticipation surrounding it. And I can't wait to watch that match. Then Bournemouth against Liverpool. Liverpool have a tricky away fixture. We all know Bournemouth are an exciting, attacking, talented side. They are never afraid to come up against any opposition to play open attacking football against anybody that they come across they always do that and i don't really see it being any different this time around i think um i think liverpool should get the win but i think it's going to be a tough one for them i i i mean already they played against united they lost against united at um at their home but they played very very well and probably should have gotten more out of that match than they did And they also lost against Arsenal, but they played very well in that match as well. And I expect them to play well against Liverpool. I I don't think Liverpool is going to have an easy match at all, but maybe they're going to win it. Hopefully they do because they need to keep the pressure on City. And this is an excellent opportunity for them to close the gap because City is going away at Stamford Bridge, which is never easy for anybody. So we'll see what Liverpool can do against Bournemouth then Arsenal at home to Huddersfield should be a straightforward victory for Arsenal let's see if they can finally be leading at halftime Huddersfield are not really in the best form at all they've not been playing the best football this season they are also in the relegation battle and I'm sure Arsenal are going to get a comfortable victory then Leicester City versus Spurs this could be a tricky fixture for Leicester But Hurricane loves to play against Leicester. He's scored so many hat-tricks against them. And it could just turn out to be the same again this time around. But we'll see how that goes. It could go either way. It It could be a very difficult game for Spurs or an easy victory. We'll see how that one goes. And then it's Manchester United versus Fulham. Let's see how that one goes as well. Ranieri will definitely look at this as an opportunity to be able to gain some bonus points because you all know whenever a relegation threatened team comes against any of the big boys, anything that they get is a bonus. But this time around, it's a United who are really, really falling in confidence, who are not really playing for their manager at all. Paul Pogba was benched for the match against Arsenal and Lukaku as well. And I don't know if they're going to start this match because it seems like the issues between Pogba and Mourinho are just getting more and more heated. I know during the press conference, he had positive things to say about Pogba. He complimented him. But that's, it's one thing to say something during a press conference and it's another to actually play the player and allow the player to express himself on the pitch. I don't know if he's going to do that. I honestly would not be shocked if he benches Pogba again. Because that's just where their relationship has gone. It will also be interesting to see whether Lukaku starts or or is benched. I really feel bad for Lukaku. Because I think this guy is way better that, than people give him credit for. Yes, I agree that he's, his first touch is bad. He's very bad in controlling the ball. And his link-up play is not the greatest. But when it comes to that box, when it comes to that final third, he is an assassin. He knows how to score goals. But United just do not play to his strengths. I don't understand how Mourinho wanted this guy. He agreed for the club to pay, what was it? Was it like 75 million for him? And he's not playing to his strengths. I don't know. I feel bad for the guy. He has his shortcomings. But I really am not of the opinion that Lukaku cannot play well for United. I think he can. I think we need to get the right players around him and give him the right service that he needs. Finally, it seems like United have a a right-back who can actually cross a ball in Diogo Dalo. He played against Arsenal, and he did put in some good deliveries. I've been seeing a lot of comparisons between him and Gary Neville, but let's just chill the fuck out. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. That was his first Premier League start. And... He needs to do a whole lot more for us to even put him and Gary Neville in the same sentence. But we'll see how this match goes, though. Fulham definitely have a chance to get something out of it. And United should be looking to at least get a win because they haven't won in the last four matches. But at Old Trafford, the players seem to be under a lot of pressure when they play. But well, we'll see how it goes. Then over to La Liga. La Liga. I think the standout match here involves Alaves once again because they're going away from home at the Estadio Metropolitano against Atletico Madrid and it's a battle between third and fourth place. Atletico Madrid are third, Alaves are fourth. Only 1 point separates the two teams. And if Atletico Madrid want to challenge for the league, they have to win this match because they cannot afford to keep on dropping points. And if Alaves wants to show that they are actually proper top four contenders, then they should get something out of this match as well. So it's going to be very contentious. Both teams are not really the most silky on the eye, the most attractive looking on the eye, but they get the job done. So I expect it to be a gritty affair with a lot of hard challenges. Very, very technical as well. And it should be an interesting match for the... Football nerd, shall I say, for the football hipster. That's a match for, for him or her. So let's see how that goes. Valencia versus Sevilla. Sevilla are, are, are away against Valencia. This is going to be another tricky fixture because despite the fact that Valencia are not playing the best this season, at home, they can beat any team in La Liga. So Sevilla, they look like they're proper challengers for the league this season. And I sincerely hope they are. Because we're tired of this duopoly between Real Madrid and Barcelona. And Atletico Madrid are not really showing that they're going to be the ones to break it once again. So if it's Sevilla, why not? But Sevilla, get this win against Valencia. Let's see how that goes. I'm going to be looking forward to that match. And it should be highly entertaining. It should be high tempo. Both teams are definitely going to be up for it. I know the Valencia crowd at the Mestalla... Never fail to disappoint. they always show up and give their team one hundred percent support, so it should not be any different in this match then we've got espanol versus Barcelona it 's the first derby de Catalonia, but in the past, this has never really been a competitive fixture, so I don't know well Barcelona are shaky though they are quite inconsistent. And Espanol, did they did start the season quite well. They've been slowly regressing to the mean. But I think they will be looking at this match favorably. They'll be looking at this match optimistically, thinking that they can get something out of it. And who is to bet against them? I mean, the defense of Barcelona is not that great anymore. Gerard Pique seems like retirement is inching closer and closer for this guy. Um. Umtiti, I don't know if he's injured or what's up with him, but yeah, that that Barcelona defense is not that great and they are just way too dependent on Messi. Messi is really the heart and soul of everything that this club does and and it gets more and more evident every single year because despite the fact that they try to recruit good players, in my opinion, their recruitment is not that great and the likes of Coutinho, Coutinho is good, but I don't think he's really what... Barcelona need. I don't think he's going to be a world beater in that Barcelona squad at all. Ousmane Dembele, that's another case. He, is def- he definitely has the potential and he's got the numbers to back it up as well this season. he's He's got the potential and the quality to be a top-top player for Barcelona, but it all depends on if he's able to get his mind right, get his attitude better, and actually provide um, more for the team that he he than he already has, which he has actually provided a lot, despite the off-field issues he's had, and also depends on how much patience Barcelona are willing to exercise with Dembele, which should be a lot because I mean they bought him for over a hundred million pounds, and they're not going to get that investment back if they decide to sell him anytime soon. So I think that he has his time, but yeah, in general, Barcelona they're way too dependent on Messi, and that defense is not that great. So, Espanol, they can definitely get something out of this match. Then, Huesca versus Real Madrid. Let's see how Real Madrid plays. Let's see if Solari is actually able to steady this ship and get the best out of these players who are so inconsistent. Let's see if they can muster some consistency and actually put in performances, decent performances, and get themselves back into the top four. Can you imagine Real Madrid are not even in the top four? But they can get back into the top four and be challenging for the league once again. Serie A. The standout fixture there is going to be Juventus at home to Inter Milan. That's actually going to be a Friday night fixture. So it's going to be later this night. Juventus are still overwhelming favourites, especially at home against any opposition they come against. This is a battle between first place and third place. And, um, yeah, I don't know if Inter can get anything out of this. I think Juventus are going to get the win. It could be an easy victory for Juventus or a really, really dogged, tight affair. So Inter definitely needs to have their shooting boots on. Riccardi needs to step up, as he always does for his team. He is just captain fantastic for this guy. And if they have any shot of getting anything out of this, it's all going to depend on him. On Ivan Perisic as well, Brozovic and... All of their other players but mostly Icardi we'll see how that one goes then it's Napoli versus Frosinone that should be an easy win for Napoli they should be able to get an easy three points and then AC Milan versus Torino AC Milan are going to look to cement their place in the top four and they need a victory against Torino in order to do that and then for the Bundesliga We've got Schalke versus Dortmund. Should be a very good game. These teams usually produce very, very good matches. I remember last season, I think it ended 4-4. Was it like Dortmund was leading 4-0 and then Schalke came back. Well, I know, but it was a crazy match, it was a really crazy match. I hope that that's the same. But I do hope Dortmund get the win because I want them to win the league. At least I want someone other than Bayern to win the league. And they seem like the only ones who have the players and at least have the track record of being able to have won the league in the past. So they're definitely going to need to win this match. Even if they don't win, they still have considerable distance from Bayern. But for the table, though, I think if they fail to win, whoa, they're, they're seven points ahead at the table. So even if they fail to win, they're still going to have a comfortable lead. But yeah, their first, Borussia Mönchengladbach are second and RB Leipzig are third with Bayern in fourth. Bayern are playing against Nuremberg. And um, despite their inconsistencies, they should get this win. But we don't know. We'll see how that goes. Because every match now seems like Nico potentially last match if they fail to win. And yeah, by all indications, it looked like he was going to get sacked Oh, um, if they failed to defeat Benfica, but they did get the win and they need to win this match. Uh, maybe they'll keep him even if they don't win because they need to, there's Champions League and they need to top the group there. So we'll see how this match goes for them. And then for um, Ligon, it's the only standout match, obviously, is always going to be the PSG match and they go away from home against Dijon should be a straightforward victory for them and then midweek fixtures we've got the champions league back again the final match day of the group stage it's match day six so we're going to know it's mostly going to be battles of who gets to top the group and who comes second and I think that's mostly it. I think most the majority of the groups have already been settled in terms of who's qualified and who's out and who's going to the Europa League. But a lot of groups have not really settled who, is, who has um, one top spot. So this is mostly going to be the battles that we're going to see this time around. <coughs> and I'll just talk about the standout matches. So first of all, we've got Club Bruges against Atletico Madrid. Bruges need um, Atletico Madrid needs to get the win to secure top spots. If they get the win, they've secured the top spot in the group. But if they draw, and Borussia Dortmund defeats Monaco away from home, then Borussia Dortmund will win, will win the league, will win the group. Sorry, because they have the head to head advantage over Atletico Madrid. Remember, Dortmund defeated Atletico four goals to nil at the Signal Iduna. And at the Metropolitano, Atletico only defeated Dortmund 2 0. So Dortmund has a headset advantage. So it's a must win match for Atletico Madrid if they want to secure top spot in the group. And then we've got. What's going on? Oh, one second. So, yeah, and then we've got Inter Milan versus PSV. Inter Milan have sort of a, or, yeah, they have a must-win match in the sense that, so, it's, so for this group, which is, which is Group B, so Barcelona have already won the, won the group and basically the battle for second place is between Spurs and Inter Milan spurs are ahead because of their significant um their head-to-head advantage over inter so inter go uh, inter play at home against psv if inter milan gets the win well they have to win this match because if by some like magical i don't know some like freak of by some surprise, I don't know. By some shock, by some huge shock, if Spurs are able to defeat Barcelona at the new Camp, then Inter Milan will be in third place. Will stay in third and go to the Europa League, and Spurs will go through. But if Spurs fail to beat Barcelona or get a, uh, if Spurs fail to beat Barcelona and Inter Milan defeats PSV, then Inter Milan are through in second. But if Inter and PSV draw and Spurs and Barcelona draw, Spurs are through. So Inter Milan will need to win this match to at least be in the driving seat and give themselves the maximum amount of hope that they are going to qualify from the group. Uh, Yeah, so Barcelona are at home against Spurs. Barcelona have already qualified, as I said already. So that's definitely the only hope that Spurs have that Barcelona do not field their A-team, they field the B-team, and the B-team is hopefully not up for it for the match. I think Spurs' confidence has been dented a little bit from that North London derby loss, but they need to recover, to gather themselves, and to recuperate and come back and defeat Barcelona. They need to give their all. This is has to be the performance of the season Of their lives for them to have any chance of qualifying from this group. They absolutely have to win. Because Inter Milan should beat PSV. They beat PSV already away from home. And there's no reason why they shouldn't do that again at home. So it's really all up to Spurs to defeat Barcelona. To see if they can qualify from this group. And then next we've got Red Star Belgrade against PSG. And then Liverpool against Napoli for Group C. So, Napoli are in first place with nine points. PSG second with eight. Liverpool third with six. And the Red Star Belgrade fourth with four points. So, really, best, Red Star Belgrade has no chance of getting to the knockout round, but they do have a chance of going to the, of qualifying for the Europa League if Liverpool fail to. Defeats Napoli. Actually, if Liverpool loses to Napoli, then Liverpool will actually be in last place in the group and Red Star will go through. But Liverpool's main focus is not really on playing Europa League football. It's on qualifying to the next round in the Champions League knockout phase. So they absolutely have to defeat Napoli. If they defeat Napoli, then it will all all be the head-to-head or goal difference. So, if they defeat Napoli only by 1-0, Napoli will go through because their head-to-head will be the same and Napoli has a higher goal difference of three goals. So, Napoli will go through. But if Liverpool wins by more than 1-0, then Liverpool will have the head-to-head advantage over Napoli by more than one goal, actually, not even 1-0. Because if, if, the match ends like 2 1 in favor of Liverpool, then Napoli will serve the advantage because they have an away goal and Liverpool failed to score at Naples. So, Liverpool are going to be looking to defeat Napoli by more than one goal in order to secure their place, unarguably, that they're going to make it through to the next round. And then, PSG, they are playing against Red Star. As I said, they're away from home against Red Star Belgrade. Liverpool and Napoli will be praying for a miracle that Red Star can also get something out of PSG, just as they did when Liverpool came to their home. They defeated Liverpool 2-0, and they drew against Napoli. So if Red Star can get something out of the match against PSG, then Liverpool and Napoli will definitely have hope of qualifying. But yeah, the permutations for this group are really tough to make out. But basically, Napoli, PSG and Liverpool all have a chance and they all have head-to-head victories over the other. So this, this group is just wide open and it's going to be interesting to see. The Liverpool-Napoli game, though, that's going to be one hell of a match because the unfilled crowd is going to be raucous. It's going to be absolutely crazy. So I'm looking forward to that match to see how it goes. Then, just quickly, the other matches. Victoria Pilzen against Roma and then Real Madrid against Cisco Moscow. That is Group G. Real Madrid have already won that group and Roma are already through. So there's really nothing to talk about in that group. And then Young Boys against Juventus with Valencia at home to Manchester United. Both Juve and United are through, but there's still a bit of a battle for top spots. If Juventus um, draw against Young Boys and United defeat Valencia, United will top the group. Because they have a head to head advantage over Juve. But we all expect Juve to get the win against young boys. So let's see how that goes. Then we've got Shakhtar against Lyon and Manchester City against Hoffenheim. And that's group F. City are top of the group with 10 points. Lyon are second with seven. Um, Lyon are not through yet. And so, they have to win in order to ensure their place in the next round. They have to defeat Shakhtar Donetsk, who are actually the team that... So, Shakhtar are um on five points, Lyon are on seven, and Shakhtar are at home. So, it's a must-win for Shakhtar. And if Shakhtar gets the win, they're through. If Lyon gets the win, they're through or draw, they're through. And also, Lyon actually has a chance of topping the group because they have a head to head advantage over City. Because we all remember they defeated City at the Manchester State, um the, at the Etihad, and City only managed to draw at Lyon. So, yeah, there's a chance for Lyon to top the group, and there's also a chance for them not to even make it through at all. And, um,. Then we've got Benfica against AEK and Ajax against Bayern. In this group, it's Ajax and Bayern that have already qualified. Ajax are on 11 points, Bayern are on 13. Ajax are at home, so this is a huge opportunity for them to actually win the group. If they defeat Bayern, they've won the group. If Bayern manages a draw, they've won that group. So that's going to be a contentious affair as well. In the reverse fixture, I remember the um Ajax actually got the draw at the Allianz Arena and they were well worth it. They could have actually gotten more than a draw. They could have gotten the win. But they did not get that and they got a draw, but they have a chance to rectify that and actually defeat um Bayern this time around. So we'll see how that goes. And then the Copa Libertadores final is going to be played on Sunday, on the 9th of December at the Santiago Bernabeu. So the match is going to be underway. Finally, we will find out who gets to lift the Copa Libertadores trophy. And reports are suggesting that both Ronaldo and Lionel Messi are attending the match and are scheduled to be seated next to each other. I know Florentino Perez wants to make that happen. So it will be a nice gesture just for the game to see like the sportsmanship in the game because at the end of the day that's what the game is all about it's all about sportsman like behavior and if these two rivals can sit together for the match it will just be something to, to see for the whole football world it would be nice to see so i hope that happens and in other news manchester city could face a champions league ban next season Because it seems like UEFA has decided to investigate into the reports that were revealed by Der Spiegel in the football leagues over the past uh, month. And basically, um, yeah, they could be banned from the Champions League next season. Remember that they already got banned. They already got a financial fair play sanction in the past for violating financial fair play rules that this was back in I was it twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. So if they get another violation, they will definitely be banned. So we'll see how that goes. Um yeah, this they got banned in twenty fourteen and they were fined rather than banned from the Champions League because they inflated their sponsorship deals with companies le- linked to the their to the club or their ownership. And then this time around I think uh, we don't know who has um published the story who who leaked it out that there was an investigation going on because uefa would have liked to keep the whole story secret until maybe they had gathered enough information to make it public but yeah it the story involves inflating sponsorship deal figures to make it seem like the club was actually generating more revenue than they were and were using their own generated revenue for their spending when it was actually the owners that were pumping money into the club, but yeah, and then another um to 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 end on on a kind of a high note or a funny note, so the great legendary Brazilian great Pele was interviewed, and he had a few interesting things to say about Messi, so he said that. In his opinion, Maradona was better than Messi and he didn't really rate Messi as highly as others do because Messi only has one skill, only uses one leg and doesn't head the ball well. Well, um, he also said that you shouldn't compare him to, that's him himself, Pele. He shouldn't be compared with Messi because he, Pele, knew how to use both feet, could head the ball and Messi only uses one foot so they have different skill sets and doesn't want to be compared. I don't know if he was saying that they're not on the same level or he was saying that it's hard to compare the two of them, I don't know. But he also said that players like Franz Beckenbauer and Johan Cruyff are better than Messi. But I think that's um yeah that's for you guys to decide. I definitely disagree. I think Messi is better than Maradona. I think the only player in history that's I think the, the three greats really are Messi, Ronaldo, I'm talking Cristiano, and Pele himself. I don't think any other players in the history of the game have been able to put in the consistency and the figures that these three have put in. And also, yes, I mean, yes, Messi only, has, only uses his left foot. He has scored a few goals on his right, but we all know he's primarily a left-footed player. But what a hell of a left foot. As they say, I remember... um. Was it Bruce Lee? He had this quote where he said, "I fear the person who knows who knows how to deliver one kick 100 times than a, than a fighter who can only deliver who, who only knows what, um 100 different kicks. He prefers a player who can kick in the same way, effectively a hundred times, over somebody who knows 100 different styles but is not." Like as an as much of an expert in them, and I think that is definitely how Messi is because yes, Messi is not the tallest, so of course he can't head balls because he's not tall. I mean he has got a few headers, but that's not obviously his strong suit. But his left foot makes up more than enough. He can dribble on the left foot, he can pass on the same left foot, and score on the same left foot. So Pele might be your old age bro, but yeah. I think that's a nice way to end the episode for today so i thank you guys for listening today sorry today's episode was quite long but it's because we had so much action over the past week and the coming week as well so it was only just that i had to touch on every single every major talking point that took place in the football world so thanks again for listening i will talk to you guys once again after the champions league and um Yeah, so enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the matches. As usual, you can catch me on Instagram at DBALAT. That's D-B-A-L-A-T. And on Twitter at DKBALAT. That's D-K-B-A-L-A-T. So cheers, guys. See you again next week. Bye-bye.